Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. to Weird Distractions Podcast, a weekly podcast where I, Alex, rotate between true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal stories, folklore, a little bit of this and a little bit of that to provide you and more than likely what your local plumber would consider a weird distraction from everyday life. This week we are back talking all things paranormal and I have a very interesting poltergeist case that we're going to be diving into. But before we dive into it, I do have a little bit of housekeeping. So first and foremost, thank you so much to everybody that is supporting the show over on Patreon. You might remember that I have actually paused Patreon payments for the month of June, basically just to reflect the fact that things are changing. Christy's no longer with the show and you know, it's it's a weird time. So I figured I'm going to pause the payments. <laughs> but regardless, the payments will resume on July 1st. If you are listening and you're not over on the Patreon page, right now would be a good time to join just to see if there's anything there that you like, any posts or any extra content that you might enjoy. You can cancel before July 1st. That way, you know, you're not charged anything, but alas, payments will start July 1st. Now with that out of the way, it's time to discuss what I need a distraction from and what you, the listener, needs a distraction from. So this week, I need a distraction from being burnt out. And I think I'm burnt out from work primarily work. Um, my my job, my real job, my nine to five, Monday to Friday is very stressful. As some longtime listeners may know, I work in mental health. And, you know, as much as I do enjoy aspects of my job, lately my job has been very draining, especially because I'm moving into a new position where I don't really know what's going on with it. So that's fun. And I think just in general, life has been very draining. I don't know if anyone else is in the same boat. I don't know if anyone feels the same way. It's just, I don't know. I don't know if it's, yeah, I I just don't know. I just feel very burnt out with life. So I'm glad to be behind a mic right now about to tell everybody about a spooky story because this is, this is my form of distraction and a little bit of my self-care. But now that my portion's out of the way, let's discuss what a listener has wrote in for their need for distraction. So this listener distraction comes from one of our Patreon supporters, Sissies. Thank you so much, Sissy, for sharing this. So Sissy's need for distraction, which she posted over on Patreon, was my need for distraction is my job in trying to decide what will be good for the family. Basically, do I stay or do I go from my current position? Honestly, I have had similar situations, so I can honestly say I've been there. It's very hard to make those decisions, so whatever you have decided, Sissy, I hope works out for you and your family's favor. I think I saw on Twitter after this post that maybe you did make a decision, so please let me know. And if anyone else is listening and in the same boat, 
just know that you're not alone. Working should not be your life. And that is something that I am trying to wrap my head around as well. But it's 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 hard. It's very hard. But anyways, thank you so much, Sissy, for sharing what your need for a distraction is. If you're listening and you'd like to hear your need for a distraction, feel free to DM me or send me an email. But now that we have all of this out of the way, I think it's time to get into this week's distraction. So in honor of Father's Day, which is when this episode comes out, I figured I would discuss another paranormal hotspot since my dad is one of the reasons why I'm so interested in the paranormal. This week's distraction will have us going overseas, hypothetically of course, to Pontefract, West Yorkshire, Britain, to discuss the infamous Black Monk House. This case has everything from poltergeist activity to a ghost named Fred and just about anything else weird that you can think of in between. Maybe that's why it's been dubbed as one of the most haunted homes in Britain. Due to potential coarse language and themes discussed in this episode, listener discretion is advised. As mentioned, our case this week takes us to Pontefract, West Yorkshire, Britain. And apologies to my UK listeners, I more than likely am going to pronounce some things wrong. It is in no means of disrespect. It's just, you know, I'm very Canadian and words can be hard, hence why I have a podcast. But anyways, we are in Britain. And the specific location for today's episode is 30 East Drive. The red brick semi-detached home with flower carpets right out of the 60s looks like your average home, but average may be the last description anyone may use when discussing this house. Our story with 30 East Drive begins in August of 1966 and involves the Pritchard family. Some accounts claim that the family had just moved into the home, however, there were some reports that made me think that they'd been living there prior to August of 1966. Regardless, the family consisted of parents Jean and Joe, their then 15-year-old son Philip, and their 12-year-old daughter Diane. From my understanding, the Pritchard family didn't have any paranormal experiences prior to August of 1966. No bumps in the night, no peculiar happenings. It seemed like they were just your average working class British family. But all of that changed during the August bank holiday. Jean, Joe, and Diane reportedly went on a vacation to the southwest of London during this weekend while Philip stayed at home with his maternal grandmother, Sarah. I'm not really sure why Philip stayed back, but regardless, he and his grandmother reportedly had a little weekend together at home. Things seemed fairly normal for Sarah and Philip until apparently on one occasion, Sarah noticed that inside the house, it was randomly really cold all of a sudden and she thought it was odd because it was summertime and it was hot outside you know philip was outside he was reading a book didn't complain about being cold whatsoever to her, but she noticed a random chill in the house that couldn't be explained. Eventually, Philip comes inside, she brushes it off, and the two go on with their day. As the day moves on, Philip and Sarah notice an unknown white powder falling from midair all around the living room onto the floor. Now, I don't necessarily think Philip and Sarah were having a wild party over the weekend, so that the potential of it being smoke or cocaine could be ruled out fairly easily. The two 
also ruled out the notion that something was falling from the ceiling since it was mid-air and the ceiling had just been renovated. Specifically, it had been wallpapered, which, it being the 1960s, you know that was sticking and sticking for good. Sarah and Philip are more than likely confused as hell, and reports claim that Sarah decided to go to her daughter's home. Luckily, her daughter, Marie Kelly, lived just across the road. Sarah gets Marie to come over, and Marie can't provide an answer, but decides to be at least a little bit helpful and offers to clean up the situation. So Marie goes into the kitchen in order to try and get things to help clean up this weird white dust of a mess, and when she goes into the kitchen, she notices these random pools of water that have just come out of nowhere. One perfectly formulated puddle led to two, and two led to more. Confusion grew, and more than likely, fear began to brew. Which is when another neighbor, by the name of Enid, made her way over to 30 East Drive to see what the commotion was about. Enid wasn't having any of this weirdness, and tried to turn off the house's water supply. However, this didn't stop the puddles from forming. The group decided to call on the local water board, who sent over a worker to the home. According to a direct quote from the Ghost Story UK website, Website, here's what transpired next when the workers showed up. Quote, After much checking of the pipes, rotting of drains, and submersing that the water may be condensation, he, being the worker, went away to report the problem to his manager, and an hour later the pools of water stopped appearing. Water crisis adverted, and all seemed fairly calm at 30 East Drive. However, this calmness was only temporary, as a storm inside the home was brewing. Enid, the waterboard worker, and Marie left Philip and Sarah to try and brush off the weird events that were just unfolding in front of them. Reports claim that Sarah was watching TV later on in the day within the living room, while apparently Philip at one point gets up to go to the kitchen to make some tea. I'm sure as the adult and caregiver in the situation, Sarah was probably relieved to have a calm evening with her grandson. That is, until she hears Philip call from the kitchen. Grandma, it's happening again! Except not as, you know happy as I just said it. Probably more fearful, to be honest. But it turns out whatever caused the commotion earlier was not on board with Philip making tea, or it was offended that it wasn't offered some. This unknown force allegedly had dumped sugar and dried tea leaves all over the countertop. Sarah and Philip reportedly watched the button on the tea dispenser go slowly in and out several times. The water from the tea dispenser was apparently being poured out, and it was nearly empty. So Sarah decided to make a move. She proceeded to yell, Stop it! Now, Sarah's setting a pretty straightforward boundary, but in the world of the supernatural, boundaries seem to be fairly optional. To elaborate on what happened after this attempted boundary setting, I'm going to reference the Ghost Story UK website again in a direct quote. Quote, There came a loud crash from the hallway. They slowly opened the door leading to the hallway, half expecting to catch a burglar, only to find it silent, dark, and empty, until the hall light clicked on of its own accord, startling them both. They slowly made their way to the foot of the stairs and saw what had made the noise. A plant, which was usually at the foot of the stairs, was now sat halfway up them, missing its pot, which was on the landing above." End quote. The entity wasn't done either, as the two reportedly heard another bang within the home probably terrified, and more than likely probably kicking themselves for not going away with the rest of the family, Philip and Sarah proceeded to the new sound. 
Accounts claim that the sound seemed to be coming from inside one of the cupboards, almost as if something was trapped inside and trying to get out. As Philip reportedly opened the door of the cupboard, the sound moved, and the air within the home chilled again. Sarah calls on her daughter, Marie, to come back over and look after Philip while she does some further investigating. Sarah then goes over to her neighbors, Mr. and Mrs. Mountain, to see if maybe, logically, they were responsible for the noises. However, to Sarah's dismay, the Mountains thought it was Philip and Sarah causing all the noises. Perhaps disheartened that logic was thrown out the window, Marie, Philip, and Sarah hung around 30 East Drive to see if anything further would unfold. By 9.30 p.m., Marie decides to head home as nothing further happens. Philip and Sarah decide to lock up and hit the hay, but not before the drawers of a chest in Philip's room reportedly begin to sway without any explanation. The two decided enough was enough, and they left 30 East Drive and stayed the night at Marie's. Marie and her husband, Vic, called for police to investigate 30 East Drive, yet nothing abnormal apparently happened. Marie and Vic, not convinced that the weirdness from before was really done, decided to call on a local neighbor and ghost fanatic by the name of Mr. O'Donnell. O'Donnell went into 30 East Drive with Marie and Vic, which the crew was met by a blast of cold air, supposedly when they walked right into the home. After hearing the events further and using his knowledge of the paranormal, O'Donnell introduced a word to Marie and Vic that probably rocked them. What he thought they were dealing with was a poltergeist. Now, a poltergeist is a paranormal entity that has the ability to make physical disturbances, according to Wikipedia, such as causing objects to move or noises to occur. O'Donnell noted that usually poltergeists manifest and thrive off of someone's unconscious mind, typically those who are perhaps dealing with inner emotional turmoil, which kind of makes me wonder when my poltergeist is gonna start kicking in, but now that I've said that out loud, I hope it never actually happens. In most cases that I've personally heard of or read, they seem to really manifest around teenagers, since, you know, angst and stuff. With that said, the group gathered that perhaps this poltergeist was feeding off of Philip's teenage hormones and moodiness. O'Donnell, Marie, and Vic decided to call the night, but not before they were informed that they weren't actually alone in the home. To elaborate, I'm going to read a portion from the book Poltergeist by Colin Wilson. Quote, at 1.45, Mr. O'Donnell yawned and said he agreed that they were wasting their time. If it was a poltergeist, it would no doubt signal its presence on the morrow. They do funny things. They're very fond of tearing up photographs, I believe, he, being O'Donnell, said. He further then said goodnight and left. But as Marie and Vic Kelly were about to lock the door behind them, they heard a crash. They switched on the lights. On the floor of the lounge, there were two small oil paintings lying face downward. Glass was shattered and a print in a frame. The wedding photograph of Jean and Joe Pritchard had been slashed from end to end as if with a sharp knife. The poltergeist had apparently overheard Mr. O'Donnell, end quote. Now, I want listeners to think, how would you respond if you came home from a presumed lovely summer vacation only to hear that your house had been turned upside down with paranormal events? I, for one, would have called a paranormal investigator and buy a life supply of sage so fast. But in a weird twist of events, no further phenomena occurred when Joe, Jean, and Diane returned home from their trip. Joe and Jean were 
informed of the events. It wasn't as if it kind of was brushed underneath the rug, but there were no random knocks, clouds of white dust, or puddles seen by them. That is, until two years later. So two years have passed, and the Pritchard family is still residing at 30 East Drive. And as mentioned, things were fairly calm for the most part. According to multiple resources, Philip had graduated school and began working at the family pet shop. Our story, back into all things weird, takes us to August of 1968. And I don't know why it's August for some reason with this story, but apparently August is maybe the poltergeist's favorite month. Who knows? But regardless, it's August of 1968. Diane, who at this point is now 14 years old, was reminded of the previous events her brother and grandmother experienced and told her parents and her about two years prior. The memory could have popped up like a Facebook notification because, like I said, two years prior around this time, Diane and her folks were vacationing while her brother and grandmother had to deal with something unexplainable and potentially downright traumatizing. Regardless, Diane brought up the previous odd events to her family, hoping that maybe they would talk about it, maybe even have a formal discussion about what potentially might have happened. However, her parents were not having any of it and actually brushed it off, kind of as if it didn't really happen. Now, I wish I could say that was kind of the end of that, but alas, it's not. Simultaneously around this time, Jean decided to update her daughter's room. During one particular afternoon, Jean took a tea break from decorating with her mother, Sarah. The two probably were maybe gabbing about different ideas for the room and bonding, really, if you think about it. The two reportedly did speak briefly about the previous hauntings, probably thinking nothing of the matter. Little did they know what was going to transpire next. For that, once again, I'm going to reference the book by Colin Wilson in a direct quote to paint this spooky scene once Jean back to decorating. Quote, Jean went out into the hall. She stopped and stared. At the foot of the stairs, there was the counterpane from her bed. It had not been there 10 minutes earlier when she had come down to make tea and no one had been out into the hall. She took it back upstairs and put it on her bed. Then she went back to her decorating. A few moments later, there was a loud crash. When she looked down the stairs, she saw another counterpane was lying in the hall. This time, the one from Philip's bed. And the crash had been made by the fall of a number of plant pots, which were unpended on the carpet. There was soil everywhere. In the kitchen, Sarah was in tears. She said, I told you, it's happening again. End quote. Just as it were before, the poltergeist was back to cause havoc at 30 East Drive. Instead of potentially manifesting because of Philip, the target of the entity's terror seemed to surround Diane, leading many to speculate that it was actually manifesting because of Diane. According to the Ghost Story UK website, Diane experienced even more intense experiences in comparison to her brother Philip, such as being thrown from her bed and being dragged up the stairs by her throat by an invisible hand that allegedly left lacerations on her neck. Now, pause just a moment here. Being thrown from your bed, that's that's unfortunate. That's that's not fun. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. But being dragged up the stairs by her throat. What in the actual fuckery is this nonsense? I mean, 
Diane didn't do anything to the poltergeist. She was just living and existing in her home, and she wasn't even there when the poltergeist first started, you know, doing its bullshit. It's just odd that it became so much more violent towards Diane. Other phenomena that occurred included the continuation of random knocks and sounds, objects reportedly going missing only to appear hours later in a random spot, and random things being seen thrown by an invisible force. The Pritchard family and those who visited the home began being plagued by this poltergeist, in which the poltergeist activity would reportedly span over several years, more than likely wearing down each family member and forcing everyone to question their sanity. Listeners unaware of the story may be curious. Okay, but this episode is called The Black Monk House. So when does the Black Monk House portion come in? Well, for starters, the poltergeist entity would be referred by the Pritchards and others as Fred. And Fred never really seemed to show themselves. I think the name was kind of given to the entity in some odd way to normalize the situation and maybe feel as though they had some kind of control over it. But Fred wasn't the only one haunting the home. Allegedly, this is where the black monk comes in. Reports of family members and guests seeing a black shadow figure decked out in a robe apparently occurred near the end of the seven-year hauntings. The figure first appeared to Joe and Jean Pritchard while they were laying in bed one evening. According to the Ghost Story Co. UK website, the couple allegedly witnessed a black cloaked figure hovering over their bed, but as soon as they saw it, it dissolved into nothingness. This wasn't its only appearance, though. On a handful of other occasions, members of the family and or visitors reported witnessing the same figure that they claimed looked like a monk. Yet, no one ever saw a face underneath the robes. There would be an alleged background to this new entity, in which I'm going to directly quote the Ghost Story Co. website, once again, to elaborate since they wrote it perfectly. Quote, The author, Tom Cuniff, later identified the poltergeist as a 16th century monk who was hung for the rape and murder of a girl during the reign of Henry VIII. Ever since, the poltergeist has been known as the Black Monk, as the Black monk of Pontefract. Antiquarily, the Pritchard's house was said to have been built next to the site of the town's gallows, end quote. Now, some resources I stumbled upon note that the poltergeist and the monk entity are two separate entities, hence why I separated them. Yet, some think that they are the same entity, but, I mean, who really knows? Personally, it wouldn't surprise me if there were multiple entities in this house, but that's just my thinking. I mean, if this house was actually built near the former gallows, it wouldn't be surprising if everybody who died there was haunting this house at one point or another. But back to the theory. I think given its potential history, aka the whole monk part, and that both the Pritchard's children, Philip and Diane, were teens during the time of the haunts, it seems as if whatever residual haunting could have been lying there dormant was ignited by good old teenage hormones and angst. Folks may be curious as to whether the Pritchards sought out any help for their hauntings. Referencing the Haunted Rooms UK website, the Pritchards reportedly called in several clergymen to try and help them rid the house of these entities and weird occurrences. However, the ghouls were not having it whatsoever. Apparently during multiple attempts of exercising the home, holy water would appear seeping out of the walls, clergymen had their faces slapped or were pushed, and a pair of ghostly hands would appear floating in the air and conducting the hymns used to try to expel them, according directly from the haunted 
Haunted Rooms UK website. Needless to say, Fred, the Black Monk, and anyone in between thought the attempts to rid them were basically a joke. The Pritchard family would eventually move out of 30 East Drive, and the home would be reportedly purchased by movie producer Bill Bungay. Bill decided to buy the house after making his movie When the Lights Went Out, which is reportedly based loosely on the Pritchard family's experiences. Bill doesn't reside in the house, and from what I gather, the next-door neighbor, Carol, reportedly looks after the home. Just because Bill doesn't live in the home doesn't mean the house is always empty. 30 East Drive is now open to visitors, although sleepovers are discouraged due to concerns over guests' well-being. According to the house's own website, which will be in today's show notes, many who have stayed there have left witnessing unexplainable things occur, such as random shadow figures appearing in photos, Bibles being moved on their own, orbs that look like glowing eyes, and more. From what I've gathered, there's a long wait list of folks who are trying to visit the home. So if you're listening and want to go, you might want to get yourself on that wait list ASAP. Because folks can visit this location, I want to do our ongoing segment called Occult Observations to hear more about the reviews of 30 East Drive before wrapping up this week's distraction. If you're a new listener, Occult Observations is a little segment where I read the good, the bad, and the weird reviews of the location we're chatting about. Let's start with a negative review so we can end on a high note. So the first review is from user Sally W back in March of 2020, aka basically when the world went to shit. Uh, The rating Sally gives is two out of five stars and their review reads, this house is not haunted. I slept a full night in the small bedroom and not a thing happened. We did a seance. We goaded the dolls. We left the key in the back of the door despite instructions not to. We unplugged the kettle and risked Fred's wrath. Bugger all occurred end of review. Now, can someone please write in and let me know what Sally might have meant when they put, we goaded the dolls? Like, what what does that mean, Sally? Um, I have questions and a lot of them begin with what? But alas, let's move on to the next negative review by user TH or TH, which they left this in September of 2021. They gave a one out of five star rating. Their review reads, stayed here in sept, which I think they meant to put September, but decided to short form it. So that's fun. With a group of friends, family. Very disappointed from start to finish. It was clearly completely faked and to be honest, really unprofessional. End of review. You know what's unprofessional? Th or TH, whatever you would like to go for or buy, is putting sept. Just say September. I know it's a big word to some folks, but you literally could just say September. Now to move on to the positive reviews. So the first positive review is from user LEM, and they wrote this back in August of 2019. They left a five out of five star review, which reads, was here at the weekend and had an amazing night. We went with haunted happenings and had so much activity. Doors shutting and opening, glasses getting thrown off tables, tables tipping on their own, slept over and was scared the whole time. End of review. 
Now, the last review I'm going to read is by user Amy L. They went in October of 2021 and Amy L left a five out of five star review. The review reads, absolutely fantastic. I came with an open mind, not expecting to really see or feel anything. We had a really good night with lots of things going off. Light sensors on the stairs kept lighting up. Cat balls kept flashing, which I'm not sure what a cat ball is, but regardless. Uh, unless they mean like cat toy balls? Interesting. Anyways, we saw orbs making weird movements. I was actually touched by one of the spirits I was talking to. The tour guides were fantastic. You both did an excellent job. Overall, definitely worth the money. And now I feel I can appreciate that maybe there is something funky about this house. Thank you for the experience. End of review. Now to summarize this week's distraction. When it comes to poltergeist cases from the UK, a lot of folks probably think of the Enfield poltergeist, which Christy and I covered early on in the show. And to be honest, I think that's fair given the hype around that case. Yet the activity located at 30 East Drive is some of the most unexplainable and downright weird accounts I've ever heard of. Not only that, but talk about violent too. Poor Diane was reportedly dragged by her neck. I don't know how many times I have to bring this up in a very concerned voice, but she was dragged by her neck and numerous pictures were slashed and ultimately an entire family was terrified for years. I think given all the reports, it seems fitting that 30 East Drive in Pontefract, aka the Black Monk House, has been dubbed by many as the most haunted home in Britain. If any listeners have their own experiences at this location, please let me know by sending me an email or DM and it may be featured in an upcoming listener distractions episode. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please Please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else who will listen about the show. You can tell them to find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, and many more. If you're streaming the show on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review. This helps the show out for free by letting others know that it's worth listening to. Another way to support the show for free and to never miss an update is to follow along on the show's various social media accounts. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My handle is at WeirdDistractI1 and TikTok. If you want to financially support the show and get yourself a little something extra each month, why not join one of the two tiers over on Patreon? Each month you get exclusive content such as bonus episodes and series, the Weird Destinations travel posts, plus early access to the regular feed episodes. You can find out which tier is best suited for you by going to patreon.com slash weirddistractionspodcast. Shout out to my current patrons, aka my weird little family members, Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Sissy, Shadow, Courtney, and Cheryl. I love you all and appreciate your ongoing support of Weird Distractions. If you're unable to support the show on a monthly basis, but still want to support it maybe as a one-time donation, check out the show's merch over on Redbubble or sign up for a one-time donation over on Buy Me A Coffee. Lastly, I want to hear from you. As some longtime listeners may recall, Christy and I released two listener story-based episodes called Listener Distractions. I'd love to keep doing this series and hear all of your weird tales of ghostly encounters, unexplainable events, and too close to home true crime stories. You can email me your tales at weirddistractionspodcast@outlook.com. As well, send me feedback. If there are any corrections that need to be made after today's episode, let me know. And as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye. <laughs> Oh.